This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. A reading from the Passion of Jesus, according to the Gospel of Luke, the 23rd chapter. Glory to you, O Christ. As the soldiers led him away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming from the country. And they laid the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A great number of the people followed him, and among them were women who were beating their breasts and wailing for him. But Jesus turned to them, and he said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are surely coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do this when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others also who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that is called the Skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by, watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. Holy wisdom, holy word. I know tonight is the third sermon you all have heard from not Pastor Jim in a row. I just want to begin by saying I sure he is coming back, but... Thank you for letting me be at the cross with you these last two weeks. Why is Jesus afraid of Good Friday, even though he knows that he will be the Savior of the world? That's been my question this Lent. In our first Wednesday night together, we heard Jesus pray in the garden, Remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. He is in anguish. He's sweating blood. He needs angels to come and comfort, and comfort him in that garden. I don't have the answer to why Jesus was afraid. But I do think in order to understand his fear, it might be helpful to understand a bit more about crucifixion. This past fall, we were offered extra credit in one of my classes if we wrote a historically accurate story based on a little-known biblical character. So I took up the project, and I looked into someone we will hear from next week, who's the Roman centurion who leads the crucifixion. So to write this piece, I had to research what exactly happened in that process. Now, nobody came here for an anatomy lesson, so I'm not going to go into major details. But let me tell you, after learning what I learned, I can understand why Jesus is asking for the cup to be removed from him. 
It is a wild scandal that the bloody wood of Golgotha has become a piece of jewelry for most Christians. Luke doesn't give us any narrative of the deep suffering pain that Jesus is feeling. He quickly says Jesus was crucified. Nobody needed to explain what that process was like for folks in the first or second century. When you are hanging from nails driven through nerve fibers, when your back is raw and bleeding from being flogged with whips laced with rocks, and when you feel the deep aloneness of public suffering while bystanders just stand there and watch without fighting for you, there are reasons to be afraid. In all this, Jesus does not, A, complain, B, give in to the temptation of healing himself, C, lash out in vengeance. No, he doesn't do any of that. His action is the choice of God. He forgives them. The story of the cross is meant to be this. Jesus, our Savior, takes the ultimate example of Roman power, two pieces of wood that are the intersection of fear and violence. He transforms them to an intersection of love and forgiveness. The symbol of empire tyranny becomes a symbol of freedom for all people. If only that would have always been true. I'm reading a book right now with an eye-catching title. It's called, Why Did Jesus, Moses, the Buddha, and Muhammad Cross the Road? Its author, Brian McLaren, laments the reality that while Christianity started as a countercultural movement that acted like Jesus and forgave and loved all people, our religion eventually gained its own political power and threatened with the same instrument of execution that caused our Savior to die in the first place. It's a bitter irony that the proclaimers of the crucified God became the metaphorical crucifiers of so many because those others, like Jesus, were different, minorities without power. A tyrannical image of God breeds tyrannical humans. McLaren writes the following, Instead of a gold-plated cross spear with the words threaten and kill by this, Imagine if Constantine had seen a vision of a basin and a towel with the words serve like this. Or a vision of a table of bread and wine with the words reconcile around this. Or a vision of Christ's outstretched arms that says embrace like this. Or a vision of the birds of the air and the flowers of the field that say trust like this. Or a vision of a mother hen gathering her chicks and saying love like this, or a vision of a dove descending from the sky with the words, live gentle and be kind like this. But it was not so. The violence of the crucifixion can give an image of God as full of wrath, needing a bloody sacrifice to be satisfied. And many people will take this narrative that we read tonight and state that it proves God requires a killing of an innocent person, a child of that God, no less, that this is necessary for human sin to be atoned. And that's not a statement aimed at the religious right. Plenty of youth retreat campfires growing up. I sang song lyrics like this. It's an example from Christ alone. 
Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. It sounds nice, but to music? But it really messed up my image of God as a child. That language presents a God who commits divine parent abuse by killing the Son as a fulfillment of wrath. And I weep for how many have been killed or hurt based on the same image of God as vengeful and using violence to accomplish God's plans. Again, a tyrannical idea of God breeds tyrannical humans. Our Lutheran theology of the cross is strange. The cross is foolishness, as Paul says. The violent death of Jesus orients us toward having life, having that life abundantly, because God has absorbed death, not caused it out of wrath. And this strangeness allows us to be honest in our faith. Honest about the hidden parts of God. Honest about the limits of human understanding. Honest that while we confess the concrete we believe, there is ample room for mystery too. We must lose the crusader image of cross as excuse for war and bloodshed and dominance. We must remember the Messiah who hangs from that wood and forgives the people who are killing him. The Messiah who heals the ear of those who come to kill him. The Messiah who is so human that he fears this death. And so divine that he goes forward to Golgotha without resistance. So tonight, my prayer is this. Father, Mother, forgive us. For still now, so often, we don't know what we are doing.